Now we are, we're starting a new series today, uh, and Phil kind of alluded to it, calling it Pivot. And, you know, what we're going to be doing over the next three weeks is we're going to be looking at the life and the leadership of Moses. And a lot of you are probably familiar with the name. He's an Old Testament character, and you find him in, in early in the Old Testament. But he was one of the most influential leaders in the whole Bible, and yet he was the most reluctant by far. Moses is the guy that he, he, just, he just never feels like he's got the competency, he doesn't have the, the ability, he doesn't have whatever it would take to be in the position that God has called him to be. Every step of the way, he questioned himself. He didn't question God. Well, you, maybe you could make an argument for that. But he definitely questioned himself. And in order for us to have the sense of purpose and to be satisfied and to be excited about what God is calling us to do in our lives, sometimes we've got to pivot. Sometimes we, we've got to change what we're doing to get on track, to, to get on the path that God wants us to walk. Other times we've just got to change our perspective on what God is, what we're doing right now. It's not that I've got to quit my day job and go do something completely different, but sometimes I've just got to change my perspective on what I'm doing and how God's using that came across this article this past week that said this. It said that pivoting can result from a disruptive event or life change, such as job loss or divorce or death of a loved one. It can also come from a restless knowing that it's time to change. Or it can be an inspired and committed decision to move in a new direction. What makes pivot strategic is whether the process generates opportunities for learning, growth, and innovation. I was just scrolling through the news this morning uh, before I was you know, getting ready for church and kind of scrolling through on my phone and there was an article came up right across the top of my page that said, I can't remember exactly, but the, the title was, more people are considering quitting their job now more than ever. Uh, most people are having the thoughts of like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm satisfied with what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm content. Is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? Is this really who I want to be? And, and this is what I know is that some of us go to work, but others of us work a calling. And they can be the same thing. They, they truly can. But we've got to understand this to understand what our life is all about. How, do, how can we work a calling? There's a story about President uh, John F. Kennedy. You know, he had that incredible vision to put a man on the moon at the time we're thinking how, how could this be done what what a what a feat to be able to put a man on the moon but he wanted to see america do that first and one day he was touring the nasa facilities just checking everything out and he came across a janitor who was sweeping the floor and he asked him what he was doing jfk asked the janitor what, what are you doing and the janitor replied he said i'm putting a man on the moon you know, that, that was, you think about, you know, you, you, people with a negative attitude might say, well, I'm just, I, I'm, just, I'm just sweeping the floor. You know, I'm just a lowly janitor here. But this guy says, no, I understand what I'm doing. I understand the bigger purpose here and what I'm a part of. We're putting somebody on the moon. He saw himself as a calling. He saw his job as a calling, and that's what he was chasing. And what we're going to find today is we're going to find motivation from God's Word and look at the life of Moses who God used to simply get started. He said, I just want you to begin. You're going to have to get a jump on this. We're going to look at his life and how he's going to push 
us to begin something that God's called us to do. Is what is it for you? What is it that God has called you to do? Because he has a calling for you. It's not just for the person in three rows in front of you. It's not just for some people. It's not that some of us have calling and others of us do not. We all, every one of us, that's what makes it so incredible, this life that we have, that we get one. And God has given us purpose and he's given you a calling. Maybe it's, it's time for you right now. Maybe his calling is it's time to get fit. It's time to get healthy. It's time to make some life changes. Or maybe it's time for you to start that business. You've got an idea, you've got a passion, you've got something that you want to chase. Maybe it's time to restore that relationship that's been broken. Maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's for you to become a more generous individual and say, you know, I've got time and I need to use it for something that's meaningful. Or I've got income and, 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 and we, we, we've been blessed. It's time for me to share. It's time for me to, to bless other people and to become a more generous person. Or maybe it's, it's time for you to, to not be an absolute slave to your schedule. And to begin making a difference in the lives of other people that are around you. What is it that you simply need to get started on? What's being left undone? Because we've all got something. We've all got something. And many times what we can do is we, we think about that thing. You know, what, what's, what's undone? Or what was that thing that I, I felt passionate about but I, I, haven't, I haven't taken the first step? And we get stuck in the cul-de-sac of indecision. We just go round and round and round and round and round. Well, you know, because it starts like, yeah, I, I need to do this. I know I need to do it. I feel it. That fire in my bones. I've got to do something about this. But how do I do it? And which way? And what, should, I, should I do this or should I do that? Or well, should it look like this or should it look like that? And, well, then, and what time and, and, and how much would it cost? And well, how would that work? And how would I find all these things that I need to find? And you just round and round and round. We just spin and spin in the cul-de-sac of indecision. And we just stay right there. And we, we never get started at all. I'm guilty of that sometimes. It's really, I can be, my wife and I, Megan and I, we can drive up and down a, a street five times saying, where do you want to eat? Well, I don't care. They need to name a restaurant. I don't care. I'll be there every week. I, I don't care. I don't know. Where do you want to go? And, and indecision, it, it just traps us. So Moses, to give, you, to give you some really quick cliff notes on his life, to understand where we're going to meet him at uh, today. When he was born... Uh, he, was, he was a Hebrew, but he was born at a time where his people were enslaved to Egypt. The Israelite people were slaves, millions of them. And it was the slave labor. It was, it was their force. So they're building pyramids and things like that. And the, at the time that he was born, the Pharaoh was looking at what was happening and noticing that this population of Hebrews is growing pretty rapidly. And it's becoming a little bit too big, and he's, he's noticing, like, hey, there's a lot of them and not as many of us. And, you know, if, if we want this to work where they're enslaved to us, then, you know, we need to probably cut the population down a little bit. So he said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have all the, the Hebrew boys thrown into the Nile River. And so that was when, when Moses was born. His mother decided to try and rescue him. So she made a little raft for him, and she put him in that raft, and she sent him floating down the river. And as he went down the river, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's daughter was out bathing, and she found him in the river. And she brought him in, thought, hey, this is a cute-looking kid, brought him in and decided to raise him as her own. And so he was an Israelite being raised in Pharaoh's house. 
you get to you get where he's at. This is an awkward position to be in because his people are enslaved to the Egyptians. And one day he's he's growing, he's getting older. He sees an Egyptian and an Israelite fighting, and uh, he goes down to break it up, and he ends up killing the Egyptian. So it says that he buried the body real quick and he ran. Moses, he says, I got to get out of here. I don't know what's going to happen to me. And he leaves Egypt for 40 years, right up until this moment where God speaks to him. And he says, hey, Moses, I have noticed what is happening to my people. And I'm going to have you go back to Egypt. And I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Like all of them. Every one of them. There's millions of them. He says, I want them all to be free. I've got a land that I'm preparing for them, this uh, land of milk and honey, the promised land. I want them to, to inhabit that. And this is a big deal. This is the entire slave labor for, for Egypt. And Moses is like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Mm, you know, I, do you know what happened, Why, the reason that I left 40 years ago? I don't want to go back there, God. I don't think I'm the right guy. And and I want us to look at this conversation that he has. And what we're going to find in this is we're going to find the motivation to get started. And the first thing, if you're you're taking notes on your phone or whatever, you're jotting these down or make a mental note, you start where you are. Just start exactly where you are. This is one of the things that keeps us trapped in that cul-de-sac. You know, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm indecisive. I don't know how to start. You know, and I, maybe, maybe in a few years, maybe when I'm a little further down the road, some of you, you say, I'm not even, I haven't even made the decision to follow Jesus yet because I need to know a little bit more about the Bible. So maybe, maybe in two years or maybe in three years or maybe when I'm married or maybe when I have kids or maybe when this miraculous thing happens in my life, that day's today, it's, the day's never going to, that, that day that you're waiting for is never going to just show up. You start where you are. You take the first step. In Exodus chapter 3, this is what God said to Moses. He says, the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, all the ites, you know, all the ites are there, the Jebusites. He says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have now seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. And he said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? He's basically saying, I can't go there. You, you have picked the wrong person. My face is still on a wanted poster down at the post office. Like, they didn't forget what I did. I can't go back. Who, I, I, I'm, not any, I'm not the person. They're going to kill me the minute that I show up. And God is saying, you've got to pivot here, Moses. You've got to make a pivot. I know that your mind is set, and I know that your heart is stone, and that you think this is the way it is, and you're just convinced that this is it, and this is the only way that it is. Some of us, that's where we are. We, we, we're not open to any, anything new, no, no new idea, no new you know, wave of anything, because we're set. We're set in our ways. 
And God's saying, you've got to pivot. You, I know you didn't see this coming, but you've got to trust me. And you can't miss the power of the next verse. God answered him and he said, I'll be with you. You're not going alone. I'm not asking you to make this big jump and just see what happens. I will be with you. I'm going to go. And this will be your sign that I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God. You will worship me at this very mountain. He's saying, start where you are. Here's the first step. This is what I want you to do. You've just got to get started, and I'll be with you. That's your, that's your strength. There's your confidence. You don't need to be confident in yourself. You don't need to worry or wonder if you've got what it takes. You, you most likely don't. It doesn't matter where you are when you know who you're with. When you know who's with you, that's, that makes all the difference in the world. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter about the financial ruin that you've hit. It doesn't matter about all those different things when you understand who you're with. Who says, I'm with you. I'll go with you. You know, there's been times in my life where I've been going to a... I, I can remember a few years ago, we were in Honduras. Uh, down in, down in La Ceiba, Honduras. And, uh, or Porto uh, Cortez, Honduras. And one day we were doing some VBS stuff there with the kids. And there was this guy, this Honduran man, that came up and he was obviously drunk. And uh, he started yelling at the kids and he, and he started yelling at uh, the pastor of the church and getting in his face. And I remember thinking, oh no, what are we, we going to do? And, uh, and I thought, you know, this, is, this could get hairy real quick. But we had a couple of guys that were on the, on the trip with us from Fairdale Christian that I, I would say, these guys, they, they were big, bulky, barely saved. And I'm like, that's, that's who I want to be with right now, you know. <laughs> That's the guy. That's the guy that I need. Uh, you know, and and it, what, I, what I'm trying to say is, you know, even, even the, the fear kind of diminishes when you realize who you're with. And we don't have some big, bulky, macho God. We have the one that sculpted mountain ranges that, that holds all things in the palm of his hand. It doesn't matter where you are when you know who you're with. And for many of us, this is an internal pivot that we've got to make. We've got to shift from relying on what you can do to trusting into what God can do. To not get so, so caught up, to not get snagged every single time, consumed with what you think you can do. But knowing what God who calls you, the one who calls you, what he can do, no, no matter what you've been through. Maybe it was the death of a loved one. Maybe it was problems at work, some other interruption in life. I believe that God says to all of us today, I'm with you. I will be with you. I will go there. If you're not dead, you're not done. That's the way I like to think about it. If you've still got a breath in your lungs, a heart beating in your chest, then you've still got purpose. If you're not dead, you're not done. And God's something, got something he wants to do in you and, and through you, but you've got to start right where you are. You start now. Moses was still, he was still too nervous, though. He said to God, he said, I don't, I don't know about this. doesn't sound like a good idea. I'm still not sure. I know you say you're going to be with me. But look at, look at chapter 4 and verse 1. It says that he protested again. And he said, well, well, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? What if people think I'm crazy? That's what trips up most of us, I think. Is that line right there. 
It's not, a, it's not an issue for most of us whether or not God's called us. We kind of we kind of feel, we, we know that God is kind of, we, we feel, the, the, we sense his spirit moving. We kind of know. And some of us, it's, it's as obvious as the nose on our face what our next step needs to be. Just accept Jesus. You know, just let him into your life. Be baptized into Christ. All those things. That's the next step. It's pretty, it's pretty clear. But we're, we're not taking that step or, or, or ones that are more difficult as life goes on because we're afraid, what will people think? What is my, my girlfriend going to think? What's my, what, what will my friends think? What will the people at work think? What will the neighbors, what, so, you know, anybody, whoever, I don't know who it is. What will they think if I do this? Look at the next few verses. It's so easy to skip right past these. But we can't miss the power. It's, the Lord asked him, he said, what is that in your hand, Moses? What are you holding? He said, a shepherd's staff. I read that verse and I think, why did Moses, why, why was Moses carrying a shepherd's staff? You know why? It's because he was a shepherd. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. I, I, really, I really studied hard this week. It's because he was a shepherd. That's why he was carrying a shepherd's staff. It was a tool of the trade. It was used to direct sheep. He was watching sheep. He had the tool with him. He was carrying that shepherd's staff. But what is interesting, he didn't bring it into this meeting with God thinking, God's going to use this. Look at what I'm bringing. Look at what I've got. Look at, look at what I'm bringing to the table. He brought it because it was an ordinary tool that he just had on him because it's what he used every day in and day out. It was just this thing that he used to take care of sheep but if you know the story you know what happens next God tells him to throw that on the ground and it becomes a snake and then he says well pick it up by the tail which I'd be out at that point but he says pick it up pick it up by the tail and it becomes a staff again and he would do all kinds of things with that with that stick he, uh, he would stick it in the Red Sea and God would part the water the Israelites would walk across on dry ground. Uh, he, he would do all the, but all the different things. He would, he would hit a rock and water would come out. But Moses didn't know any of that ahead of time. He didn't know there was anything that God was going to use this, this ordinary thing that he had. He did not know that this, this ordinary stick that he carried around all the time would be used by God to do anything extraordinary. And it's unbelievable that when we simply step out, when we take the first step, say, God, I've sensed your calling, and I know that you want me to get moving, that God will take the things that are ordinary and do extraordinary things with them. It's not about what we bring to the table. It's not about how super talented you are or what you think you've got or look at the things that are, but it's about the ordinariness of your life. Some of the most ordinary people do some of the most extraordinary things because God is with them and God is using them. And this is what I want you to know is whatever you have, that's the thing God uses. Whatever you got, I don't care how, how simple it may seem, what do you have in your hand? We've all got something. We've all got something. Some of you say, well, I, I, I don't know. I really don't have any skills at all. But I love to mow grass. And in your yard, God love you. You do that crisscross pattern. You know I mean, it looks like the 18th green. You, you know the pH balance in the dirt. Whatever. You're, you're, you just love that stuff. And you're good at it. 
You think, I don't have any skills. I don't have any ministry skills. I just love to mow grass. And, but there's a neighbor down the street that could use your help. Maybe she's a widow or, or they're, they're having physical problems or whatever's going on. The mowers broke down. You can mow grass in the name of Jesus, people. You, you can. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too ordinary to serve. You, you don't know something like that, the power that might lie there. You think, well, I have, I've got no skills, but I, I love to bake. I, I can whip up a, a mean cupcake, you know. That's my thing. You say, well, I, but I, I don't have any ministry skills, though. But there's somebody right up the street that you could show up at the door with some cookies, and people are going to, they're going to feel loved, and they're going to feel known and cared for, and God is going to be honored in that. Don't. Don't sweep that under the rug or think that that's not a big deal. You think about some of the greatest things that have happened. I think back on stories that I've heard people sharing their testimony of how they came to Christ, how their whole life was changed, how everything turned around for them. And it always started with the smallest, most seemingly insignificant moment. Somebody invited me to church. Somebody brought cookies. Somebody mowed my grass. Somebody just was nice. Somebody bought my coffee as I was at Starbucks. These small things lead to really big things. And you know, don't, don't underestimate something small that's placed in the hand of God. Nothing's wasted. Nothing's too small. You say, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have anything. But I, I do enjoy hanging out with kids. I'm not sure that that qualifies as something that God wants to use. But God says, that's perfect. You love kids. That, you, that's your passion. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to use that. There is an opportunity to serve and to minister to children, to, to some of the, 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 these, these little kids that need to know Christ and help them to know who Jesus is. You know, I love one of the things that our, our children's minister, Mary Art, says. She said just this past week to me. She said, you, you know that in the Bible it says, there's a promise from God that says, train a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Some of you know that, maybe you don't, but that is a promise from God that if you train a child in the ways of the Lord when they're young, that when they're older, they won't depart. They, they'll know what to come back to. But she always says, you know what, what it, we, we miss, though, in that scripture? It doesn't say train your child. It says train a child. Why? Because it takes all of us. It takes the church. And we all have a role to play. That's why we're here. That's, that's part of what we do. Whatever you have, that's the thing God uses. And he will use it powerfully. We've got to pivot our perspective on what is God using in my life right now. What is he using right now? What's right in front of me, but I can't see it. And you say, well, I'm just a waiter at a restaurant. Or you could pivot your perspective and say, you know I help people that are stressed to unwind and relax. That's my job is to help people to have a good time. And, and I always try to smile and I want people to know that, hey, somebody's here and somebody's happy to see you. You say, I don't know. I, I don't have any ministry skills. I'm, I'm a physical therapist. Or you could pivot and be like, I help people to learn how to walk again. And I do it in the name of Jesus. Let me just help you real quick. I think this could be helpful for a lot of us. It's just kind of a practical thing. You may be familiar with a, with a Venn diagram. It's where you've got like different circles and they all converge in the middle and, and make like one thing. Like here's to show like the common thing that they all kind of share. 
uh, how, how, do we, how do we find out our calling? Well, since it's Father's Day, I got a, I got a fun one. What, you think about a Venn diagram with, with socks. What does socks have in common with sandals? Let's put it up there. It's your, it's your dad. That's fine. He's been rocking it since 1972. He's looking good. So, 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 now, so now you know what a, what a Venn diagram is. How do we find, <laughs> how do we find our calling? We've got to get spiritual again. How do, how do we find our calling? If we're going to start where we are, we're going to use what we have, how can we figure out what our calling from God is? Here's a helpful way to begin thinking about it. Let's start with gifts. What are you good at? There's some things that you do better than other people. Are you good at fixing cars? Do you, do you just love that stuff? Are you good at baking cookies? Can you play an instrument? How about budgeting? Do you just love numbers? Do you just love crunching, crunching, crunching? Do you have any idea how many people need help with that? What are you good at? What do you love? What, what, what are your gifts? And then next, what are your desires? What are the things that get your blood pumping? What excites you? What do you get passionate about? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Some people have trouble with this one. And this is where I trip up. As I'm sitting down with somebody and talking through this, a lot of times, if, they, if they've gotten to the point that they actually want to come in and talk to me about it, they're already burnt out. And so they're like, I say, well, what are you passionate about? What gets your blood pumping? And they'll say, well, I don't really know, nothing. I'm just, I'm just an Eeyore with my tail swinging behind me. You know? I am nothing. I'm like, listen, you, you've just been thinking negative for too long. Maybe you need a vacation. You know, they say, oh, yeah, I just need an island, a mansion, and a million dollars. Like, no, okay, what would you do when you got home from that? You know, if you've got to take, a, take some time off, that's fine. But what would you do with the rest of your life? What are you passionate about? All of us have a passion for something. What is it? And then the last thing is, what are the opportunities that are right in front of you? Right there. Where you, you, don't have to, you don't have to get creative. You just see them. They're right there. I know some young people... I know some young people that are stuck in that cul-de-sac of life. Like, I don't know what to do. 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 I don't know what to pursue. And they've got a full scholarship to some college, free ride. Like, I'm going to go there, and they say, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I think maybe I'll just stay home. Maybe I'll just go find a job. I'm like, hello, earth to whoever. Like, do you not see what's right in front of you? Opportunities, they're right there. Are you kidding me? A blind man can see them. What are they? What lies right in front of you? God asked Moses the most obvious question. What's in your hand? He didn't ask him some deep theological, or, hey, I really need you to do some deep, just take a minute, let's soul search here. Let's go meet with a counselor and unpack something. No, he, what's in your hand, Moses? What's right there in front of your face? I think it's so fascinating how it went down. God didn't say, hey, idiot, stop doubting me. Or like, why are you not getting this? Where are you at? Where's your mind? He didn't say any of that. Instead, what he did is he invited Moses into the process by asking him, what's in your hand? What do you got there? What, what's, what's right in front of you? What might there be right there? And, and where these three things converge, gifts, desires, opportunities, you'll find calling. It's right there. It's right there in front of you. What is it? One more verse I'm going to share with you and I'm done. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul's 
writing this to a, a young man named Timothy that he was mentoring and bringing along in the faith. And, and he said these words, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Paul's saying to this young guy, he said, listen, Timothy, I've prayed for you. And this little thing that God has deposited in you, this little ember, honor it. Don't, don't forget that. Fan it into flame. Keep it going. You know, blow on that thing a little bit. Let it, let it, let it, let it become a roaring fire. He says, God has given you something. He's given you something, and, and, and your first job, the first responsibility that you have is to protect your walk with Christ. I don't want you to miss this part, and I know we're, I know we're winding down here, but this is, you, you can't miss this. Your first responsibility is to protect your walk with Christ. It's too important. Life is, life, you, you cannot go through life thinking, well, you know, whatever, I'll just kind of bounce around and just see where I end up. You've got to protect your walk with God, fan it into flame. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Remember that ember, that little spark that God put in you? Man, just let that thing become a roaring fire. That's what it is. It's, it's, not, it's not about the call, it's about the call to relationship with Jesus. Because our calling, our purpose, our jobs, the things that we do, ministry opportunities, those are wonderful and they're great and they can be world changing. But the most important thing for you is that God is trying to form you to become more like Jesus. That's his goal in your life, is to form you to become more and more like his son. It's not about you out there getting that thing done, your type A self, and we're going to go get it and we're going to take the hill, we're going to do those things. That's great and wonderful and it gives us purpose. But the main thing, protect yourself, protect your calling, protect your walk with God, humble yourself before a great and mighty God and allow Him access into every part of your life. And it's there you'll find purpose, you'll find calling, you'll find everything you're looking for. Watch your walk. Don't be afraid to pivot. We're going to sing a song today. you know, the last six weeks, we've kind of ended, I've ended the service, but today we're going to sing a song, and I want us to stand together. And as we sing this song, if you need to just get right with the Lord, the altar is open. If you want to come and pray, you can do that. You're welcome to do that. Let's sing out and worship our God today.